Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month. Discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Now, today, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be discussing a subject currently very much in the public eye, judging by all the media coverage amid recent revelations. So this show is a UFO special. Without further ado... I hand you over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. And hello, Richard. Hello, Chrissy. How is it there across the waters? It's um, sultry. It's it's very a very hot day actually, but the evening is sultry. I would say. Well, sultry. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's uh, sort of the clouds are coming over. It's a bit hot, muggy, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's the same over here in Michigan. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So we're on the same anyway, page um, weather-wise. Yes. Well, I think <laughs> we're quite fortunate compared to other people already going through it, I know. Absolutely, especially in parts of Europe and yes, elsewhere. And Terrible. elsewhere, too. Yeah. Well, we did, a, we did a run for that, actually. We did a run and a prayer session for, for some of these weather conditions uh, oh, and the DVIC stabilization, yes. Mm, wonderful. I'm sure many people were praying for that, too. Mm. Um, I know most listeners to Aetherius Radio Live know you, Richard. <laughs> they know you well, that you're, and you know, they know that you're a prominent figure in the media um, internationally for decades, and particularly in the UK and the USA. Uh, you've been interviewed on mainstream media, TV, radio shows worldwide, probably thousands, um, you are a prominent spiritual teacher, best-selling author, a dozen or so books. What's going on here, Chris? So you, did, you, you didn't tell me you were going to say, well, is the bill coming in the post for all this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've only just, I'm just scratching the surface here. Goodness me. Um, so for new people as well, just to let them know, and you're also secretary of the Aetherius Society in London, which is the world's, I think probably the world's, oldest UFO organization. And what you may not know, that is people who listen regularly, is Richard's extensive background and expertise in the topic of UFOs and extraterrestrial contact for over 40 years. And he's still so young. (laughs) Richard (laughs) has campaigned tirelessly in the UK and the USA um, mainly, but other places too, for governments to reveal the truth about UFOs. Uh, In England, uh, you're known as the in the press as the UFO guru, and you are the resident UFO expert on national talk radio. In the USO, USA, you, Richard's spoken via the media to millions of people via some of the most listened to paranormal radio shows in the world, uh, certainly in the US, and, and many, many others. Um, Richard's also been described as the world's leading light on ETs. I'm not making this up. Uh, in the press, the world's leading light on ET. I, all this is completely coming out of the blue to me. I didn't know this was going to happen. As I say, I imagine the bill's in the post, Chrissy. Yes, yes, and it's growing by the minute. Um, <laughs> Richard has uh, also written two books on this topic, UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message, in its second edition last year, and Contacts with the Gods from Space, co-authored with Dr. George King, founder of the Aetherius Society, extraterrestrial contactee himself and close personal friend of Richard's. Interestingly, only last week, the BBC um, showed an old interview from 1982 that Richard had with the late Patrick Moore, who I think is a well-known name to many of you as an astronomer and presenter and so forth. So that was out of the blue and probably... Yeah, I didn't know about that at all. Actually, I've yet to see that. That was sent to me very kindly by somebody, and it was on a program here called The Sky at Night, which is kind of our regular astronomy program in Britain on the BBC. And they they, they played this clip. I'm not quite sure why, but um, 
you'll have to see. <laughs> I was in my 20s then, Chrissy, but you'll remember because you were very active yourself in promoting the truth about UFOs. Yes, certainly in the 80s. Yeah, very, very incredibly busy time then. And at last, after all this time, um, we had this report, the Pentagon report, we know, about UFOs on June the 25th. And uh, Richard, among others, got to work with a response to these very disappointing revelations, I think. Um, there's obviously so much to say, and I'm just scratching the surface. And I wanted to give you, uh, I wanted to not just embarrass Richard, but I wanted to give you a back, his background on this whole topic so that you know that when he speaks, he speaks from a lot of authority and a lot of expertise in this topic. So I'll hand over to Richard now so you can uh, listen to him share this expertise and his thoughts on the Pentagon report. Well, thank you, Chrissy. That was a pretty fulsome introduction. I should have prepared one about you, I feel now. <laughs> but um, may I just say this, though, that it's nothing, and, and people in the Ethereum Society will know that it's nothing. When you look at the track record of Dr. George King, never mind as a medium and all the other things we talk about on Ethereum Radio Live, but in terms of campaigning for the truth about UFOs or, as they used to be called, flying saucers, I notice they're off there now. The latest one is the Tic Tac. Um, so these, we've gone from a um, uh, you know, piece of crockery to a peppermint um, in terms of descriptions. Of, uh, of course, looking back through history, there are some fantastic descriptions. We maybe get onto that. The, the Vimana, the, the Sanskrit word for the flying celestial vehicle of the gods that traverse the heavens. And, uh, the, you know, okay, and Moses... Uh, time it was a cloud in which the Lord traveled thick cloud I think the Bible says to deliver the Ten Commandments and then we have of course the star of Bethlehem which is no star so uh, we're now down to a, a piece of crockery and a peppermint but whatever you call them they are definitely wonderful highly advanced technologically advanced craft and Dr. King was campaigning on this. I mean, back in, uh, I've heard that interview in 82, which has just been showed over here that you referred to, somebody who he works here, I of Malik, people might know him from Facebook, he said to me it was quite shocking for him to see the kind of ridicule we had to put up with in those days. I mean, I was in my 20s. I remember Patrick Moore, the astronomer you mentioned, actually saying he didn't believe there was life anywhere beyond this Earth at all. Uh, I bet they haven't put that out. Uh, I bet they've cut that bit out of it. But um, there's been, yeah, we did have shocking ridicule. Apparently, I held my own in it. But uh, we'll have to see. But now, yes, it, there's a sea change. Uh, we are in a, a different era. Some people, as you say, I think quite a few people, certainly in the Ethereum Society, are have been disappointed by the Pentagon report. Other people who are actually believers in UFOs and even active in promoting them. I mean, I saw Luis Elizondo, for example, uh, who's, you know, worked at the Defense Department in America and is a, a, an intelligence expert and has you know, been uh, highly qualified in, in that field in, in, for over the decades and is quite an authority on this. Um, who's actually quite pleased with the report. So there are people who are pleased with it. I think the more you know, probably, about the sort of meanings of the bureaucratic language that they use, um, then the more pleased you'll probably be because you'll understand the implications of what they're saying. If you don't, it's clothed. I'll give an example. They talk, for example, about signature management. In, in this document. It's a, it's a, a nine-page document if you count the cover page. It's called a Preliminary Assessment, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. You notice they changed the name from UFO yeah. to UAP. Yeah. That's a bit of, I would say, marketing. That's a bit of spin. That's a, an attempt to, I mean, what's the difference between an aerial phenomena, in other words, a phenomena that's in the sky, and a flying object? Um, it's an attempt to really, I think, distract or detract from the attention. And, and I would, my own opinion is that, you know, all the stuff that's been coming out over the last few months and even over the year or more, which I've been talking about around the world, as you said there, Chrissy, in the media a lot and on podcasts a lot, that, um, you know, has, has made for a slight anticlimax when the report finally came out. And I would think that was deliberate. I mean, you've had people like, 
you know, Presidents Clinton, Obama and others, former directors of national intelligence under Donald Trump, Donald Trump himself a little bit, you know, coming out and speaking more openly. And people probably that some people's expectations were high. And then when this came out in its very bureaucratic language, using terms like signature management, it didn't seem so good to some people. But if you actually look at what signature management is, as I understand it, it's the control of dete over detection, over being detected. You know, we leave a signature like you might leave a fingerprint and everything. You can leave a signature as an aerial craft in a number of ways. It might be through a reaction to atmospheric pressure. It might be through, uh, you know, a sonic boom when you break the sound barrier. It might be through an effect on the ions in the, in the electro uh, magnetic atmosphere. Uh, these are ways, and of course visibility, another big one, these are ways that objects can leave their signature and they can be tracked and traced and they are by intelligence organizations around the world and these craft have the ability of signature management which simply means they can avoid detection if they choose to. They can give, and if it was spelt out in, you know, rather than those two very dull words, really, signature management, and, and sort of, uh, well, you know, they can overcome the sonic, they don't emit sonic boom when they break the sound barrier, and they don't, they, they can disappear, they can become invisible, um, you know, we, they radiate no heat, there are no propulsion units, things like that, it would have been a much more sensational report. Likewise, you know, we know that these craft are capable of hypervelocity, uh, they're capable of uh, moving through different mediums, so they can go straight from traveling in the atmosphere to traveling underwater um, to traveling outside our atmosphere at massive velocities, and they're seemingly unperturbed by these changes, which no known terrestrial craft can do. And so all, all of this is lots of examples like that. It's all, and by the way, the vast majority of the cases they looked at occurred in the last two years. Right. Uh, they're not, you know, although they say it's from 2004, and there is one in 2004, which is the Tic Tac, the so-called Tic Tac. People want to see that, by the way. It's on my website, although you can find it all over the Internet. This is the USS Nimitz case, a great case, and it was filmed and observed, and you hear pilots talking about it. Um, and, and it was confirmed by the Navy and released by the Pentagon well before this report. But the vast majority of them, they looked at 144 cases in the last two years. And the vast majority of the witnesses are Navy personnel. Um, so you can imagine, and, and from what I gather, it's a small percentage of the amount of reports they get because up to now there's been a stigma against reports and some military personnel and naval personnel and intelligence operatives who have made reports have been ridiculed by their colleagues when doing so yeah. and not taken seriously. So there's a disincentive or was a disincentive for them to make these reports, which has now changed. They're now actually under orders. They have to within two weeks. That's a big change. Um, no, and I it's, think the report sorry, yeah. also says, I'm sorry. Um, no, you go on, please. I think it also says that there's no evidence that some UFOs are alien. Is yes, that that's right. Yeah, they say that they, they don't rule it out. Uh, they have five categories, and um, you know, the categories are basically, um, you know, airborne clutter, um, various uh, aerial phenomena, uh, U.S. aircraft, either military or commercial of some kind that is very, very advanced, perhaps secret American craft. Of craft from another nation, such as maybe China or Russia, those are four of the categories. And then the fifth category is called other. That category, I think, should be called alien, pretty much. Yeah, because, that's, but they, that's but, the interesting category. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of, I mean, there's definitely, this isn't a full disclosure, in my view. For a start, yeah. this is a classified uh, sorry, this is the unclassified part of the report. I gather the classified part uh, is 10 times as long. I mean, the one they've released is nine pages long, including the cover page. The, un the classified is 10 times as long. And one of the people, among others, who have seen the classified one is the head of NASA. And he's actually come out and said he believes, having read it, he believes in intelligent life on other planets. Well, that's really good. Um, mm. Also, I mean, I have to mention, as you know, that um, the Pentagon was virtually scooped by the Assyria Society 
1958, right? Um, I mean, yeah. it's great. I, you must feel vindicated in a way that you've been campaigning for 40 years to get the truth, the government's to reveal it, and finally they have. But it's disappointing, as you say, and, and uh, there's a lot that's missed out. But, well, it's disappointing you know, in one finally. way. I, I don't want to be totally negative here because it's obviously no. a positive development, and we are running a whole event as a result of it uh, on the 29th of July. I think Nikki will give the details. It's an online streamed event which I'll be doing and there'll be a lot of visuals in it as well and that'll be uh, taking place at 9pm uh, in in our time and um, that's our time being Britain be, so it'll be 4pm in Eastern time and 1pm Pacific right. time and you know it's all around the world obviously it's a streamed event online but and so there are positives I mean just to name two positives you couldn't come away from this report thinking that UFOs aren't real so I, I think that's a step forward because, believe it or not, they have tried to make out in the past that they aren't real. They've tried to make out in the past they're all American sophisticated jet coming from the Pentagon or some being tried out and tested. Uh, they've lied, let's face it. And not just the Americans. Please don't run away. I don't want to pick on the Americans. In fact, in many ways, Americans are doing better by doing this, much better than the British. I mean, there was a debate over here, which I saw in the House of Lords. I attended a debate in the House of Lords, as you might remember, Chrissy, yeah. you know, 40 years ago or more. I actually wrote one of the speeches, and I do remember, I was there, I do remember that debate, and I do remember, you know, the sort of tenor and tone of the Lords who came to it, all of whom were you know, people who'd inherited their titles. They sat in the Lords because they'd inherited a title. That isn't the same anymore. But a lot of them were guffawing and they'd had their after-dinner drinks and it was all a bit of a chortle and a laugh. Not all. There were some good speeches. Earl of Clancarty, uh, uh, formerly Brinsley Lepore Trench, gave a good speech. As I say, I, I was right, wrote one speech with Ray Nielsen, our dear late friend Ray Nielsen. Um, so, but it, this, this debate, which was on June the 30th of this year, was a very serious affair. It wasn't a joke affair. Some, one, um, actually, Lord tried to make a joke and nobody laughed. Um, it was, so that, that was a change. But, but the British government haven't gone nearly as far as the Americans. They, they haven't, they claim anyway. They don't investigate these things. They've got no department. They've got no one in the Ministry of Defence working on it at all. So they're even worse, I would say. Yeah. What, what about the, what do you feel, Richard, about the threat question that the US and I think the UK are, are bringing up about the whole topic? Well, some bring that up um, and some don't, but I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. But I'm going to be addressing all that because the title of the streamed right. event is UFOs are real, friendly and alien. Your governments know it. So I, I don't buy everything they've come up with. I don't think they, there's no evidence. And I think they know, and I'll be giving full reasons for that on July the 29th. Yes, I really look forward to that, Richard, and I hope everybody signs up. It's a free event, and yeah. Nikki will be telling us more later, but uh, it's really a spectacular event. It's being promoted globally around the world. This really, really important topic. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things is, is, you know, the as you mentioned, the Ethereum Society, as far as we can tell, is the oldest international UFO organization. I did find one organization that's older, actually in Cleveland, and as best I can tell, that's not an international organization. It's like local to Cleveland, which is, right. you know, has been there, I think, longer than we have. But we started in 1955, and uh, we have, I mean, and all the credit has to go, as I said earlier, to Dr. King, because, okay, I've done four, did four decades, but he was pioneering this in a very, very hostile climate. I mean, if I was being ridiculed in the 80s, and you as well, Chrissy, can you imagine what it must have been like for Dr. King in the 1950s when he held a rally in Trafalgar Square demanding that gov the British government reveals what it knows, which it completely denied and completely lied about. And I think he, above all others, has been really vindicated by this report this year and all the things that have led up to it. Absolutely, yes. Um, it's interesting, Richard, well, you well know that whenever there's like a major emphasis on UFOs, a, a lecture or some, a big lecture, or, um, you know, I know you've been around the country giving lectures in, in, in Britain, there's usually some spectacular UFO sighting. 
And I remember once, there was a big one at the beginning, the first lecture of the series, and there was one at the end, some time ago. But I, mm. this time, in the middle of this current campaign, um, you revealed that you actually had a, a sighting yourself. Is there anything well, you I can think say so. about that? Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, I'm very. It might surprise people to know. I'm I'm very careful and somewhat sceptical about UFO sightings because I know that people can think genuinely think they've seen an extraterrestrial spacecraft when it wasn't. Uh, I'm probably too sceptical, as a matter of fact, because also I do think people see genuine extraterrestrial spacecraft, and and they think it wasn't. So both happen. But I'm, I'm extremely careful, and I was preparing for this event I mentioned on July the 29th. Um, and in my office, there's a patio runs off the office. I'm very lucky to have that uh, here at the Ethereum Society in London. And I was, it was an evening. It was about quarter to eight in the evening. And I just, I had a piece of paper. I was, I was thinking about 12, or I think at that time it was 10 UFOs that changed the world. And I had a list of them written down in my handwriting on my desk. And one of them was, among others, was Ezekiel's Wheels Within Wheels. I think that was number 10, actually, on my list. Ezekiel got brought up by one of the congressmen, actually, uh, when this report came out. He said, this has been going on since Ezekiel, when he saw his wheels within wheels. It's a, it's a great sighting in the Bible. So this was written down on my desk, along with others, including satellite number three, I may say. And, and other, so obviously the Star of Bethlehem and, and a few others, some big events, the one over Chernobyl and so on. And anyway, I went, I sat down on the patio for a few moments. And as I sat there, um, a drone, at least I thought it was a drone, came across my sight of vision. It was a clear evening, it was a light wind. And it looked to me, to all intents and purposes, like a drone. And that's what I thought it was. Hence, I didn't call my wife, Alison, who was down in her office a floor below. I didn't call anyone. I just watched it go by. I should have really called people, but I, I took it quite casually. And it just, its appearance was uh, like a wheel on its side with a, a silvery sheen around the outside of the wheel. And every now and then it would turn 90 degrees and you'd see that like, as it were, the side of the, the, the full side of the wheel. I, when I say silvery, I should say not the, the side, I should say the edge of the wheel. But it turned and you saw the sides, side of the wheel and inside this outside wheel there seemed to be an inside one neither of them were turning at all and then inside that uh, a black cross but a cross not like a christian cross like an x that sort of thing and air between it and nothing was turning there was no propulsion units there were no propellers i assumed it was driven by battery it was possibly a hundred feet or more away from me and maybe a few hundred feet in the air so far so good then it started to rise up in the air. Now, it, here in Fulham, where our headquarters is, we are fairly close to Heathrow Airport. And airplanes come in down here, and they come fairly low, and they're preparing to approach Heathrow. And sometimes they'll, you remember, Chrissy, they'll circle around a bit. They're getting directions from somewhere to do that. Well, this object started to rise up in the sky very high. It was going up thousands of feet. And I could still see it, which means it must have been much bigger than I'd realized. And it traveled towards a bank of clouds in the distance, which Alison saw as well. And my, she felt it could be a mile away. She's much better at those things than I am, judging distances like that. And it was a dark cloud. And, I, and unfortunately, by the time she actually got up to, to the patio, it had gone. But it, by even at that stage, about a mile away, I could still see it as a kind of a black dot in the distance, thousands of feet. To give you an idea, if a plane was coming by, it would be twice as high in the sky as, a, as a, one of the planes that was coming towards Heathrow Airport. And it eventually went into the, the bank of clouds and disappeared. Well, I wasn't sure. I spoke to some people. I phoned some people around the world to see what they thought it might be, who, who know about UFOs and so forth. Everybody uh, thought it was a UFO and not a drone. I mean, a drone, would, you, you wouldn't even be able to see it by the state. By the way, it had no noise, and it wasn't uh, blown in any way by this light wind. It had a fixed direction and speed. So... The next day, as I say, being quite on the sceptical side myself, I phoned a lot of organizations. The first one was the Civil Aviation Authority here, which registers and knows about drones. 
it may not register them, but it certainly knows about them. I think it registers them. And they told me that there was definitely not a drone in the sky in this vicinity at that time, uh, and that if it was, it would only be allowed to go up 400 feet. Um, and they said, they advised me to contact a UFO organization. And that's actually true. They didn't know who I was or the, what I do, and so I contacted myself to seek my advice on that matter. <laughs> but uh, I then went, I, that didn't stop me, I went to Heathrow and I checked with them, I checked with um, the emergency services there who would know about drone activities or anything that shouldn't be there, that was there. They said there was absolutely nothing in the sky at that time. Checked with the local police in Fulham as well, nothing at all. Checked with um, military source who said no military drones would be in this area. I think drones actually wouldn't really be encouraged in this area because of the aeroplanes that are coming in, especially a big object like that that was going much higher than the planes. And then I even went further. I spent the whole day on this actually. I phoned various people involved in manufacturing drones and even repairing drones. None of them could think of anything like this. One of them didn't rule it out, just didn't want to rule anything out. Um, but basically, the general consensus that I had to come away with was it's a UFO. I, li I like to say, well, in the old days, we would ask unbelievers to keep an open mind. I'm a believer, so I keep an open mind if someone has a terrestrial explanation, but nobody does, um, that it, it, it clearly was a UFO. And if so, it's interesting, I had that piece of paper, and it was wheel-like, and I had that reference to Ezekiel. Well, that's a fantastic sighting. I think all the listeners would agree that after your thorough research, it's a definite UFO sighting. So do you, do you feel that, Richard, as you were in the middle of this campaign, do you feel there was a message in this for you? Well, I think, I think it's interesting because, as I say, I didn't manage to get anyone else to see it. And, so, and it looks like it had signature management, to quote the Pentagon. Because you'd think, wouldn't you, that an object like that, which was traveling fairly fast and through this, it's not quite a no-fly zone, but through this area, would be detected by airplanes or radar. Or I mean, I gather a large airport in America, there's a 70-kilometer ra radius uh, for, for radar. And Heathrow's much less than that from here, as you know, Chrissy. And it's the busiest and largest airport in the UK, it might be the business in Europe, I don't know, but it's certainly in the UK. Um, so you have to really, you'd have to be pretty um, convinced to claim it as a drone, I think. I think you'd have to say it's looking like, but did it have a significant, yes it did really, I, and I, I must say it, it sort of made me look at various things differently, and one thing it made me look at differently, although it seems to have no bearing on it at all, is the coming of the next master, but we could come on to that later maybe. Well, yes, that's very, very interesting indeed. Uh, I think it's, unbelievably, it's time, we're halfway through the show, so should we have a break now? And Yes, continue? sure. Right, well, thank you, Richard and Chrissy. gosh, for giving such positive news about UFOs, or as they're now called, UAPs. And thank you, Richard, for sharing also that amazing UFO sighting. It really is uh, something for all of us to think about. You are listening to a UFO special on the Sirius Radio Live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Quitty Blaze. And talking of which, we are fortunate to still have a few more days of the magnificent energy pouring down from that shining temple, satellite number three, during which all future actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by 3,000 times. Regrettably, it will be leaving orbit of our world at 12 midnight GFT on August the 5th, but please feel welcome to join with us in our special service to mark the last hour of the second spiritual push for 2021, which will be live-streamed from the Aetherius Temple in Los Angeles. And let's make the most of these wonderful energies in these remaining days. As, as always, you are warmly invited to join in with our services held during this period to flood our world with much-needed spiritual energy. And details are on Aetherius.org and also 12blessings.org. That's 12 with digits. Well, gosh, we've got such an exciting event, and as already mentioned, July the 29th sees 
an event which will be globally streamed on live, uh, which will be taken uh, uh, by Richard at the temple in London, entitled UFO Surreal, Friendly and Alien, Governments Know It. And my goodness, uh, this show, a UFO special, will really hopefully get people's uh, UFO interest even more excited. Uh, and and do, do tune in. Don't miss this one-off global happening. It's going to be really fantastic with extracts uh, and uh, absolute fantastic revelations. And Richard, as an expert of the UFO for over 40 years, and he has ca campaigned vociferously um, in the UK and the USA for governments to reveal the truth. So please, please don't miss it. Discover the amazing truth about alien life with Richard, one of the world's foremost authorities on this vitally important subject. And as uh, mentioned, details of local times, please visit Aetherius.org. They are listed uh, so that you can find out exactly what time, because it's 9 p.m. British summertime, and, and it all goes into all details of the different regions. So please, please tune in. And for the next ARL show on August 17th, Richard and Chrissy will continue their fascinating study of the initiation of the solar system part two. So, oh, I'd better come back down to earth and um, hand you back over to your hosts, Richard. And Thank you. Chrissy. Thank you, Thank Nikki. You. Thanks, Nikki. Oh, I think Richard. there's a bill in the post to you as well, Nikki, by the sound of it then. <laughs> Richard, I was just thinking about your really amazing sighting. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. One thing perhaps I missed, but was it actually um, still? Was it like just sort of hanging there or was it moving? Moving all the time. All the all time. The From time. the moment I saw it, that's why I just thought it was a drone in transit. It was moving, and it kept moving, and it moved on, as I say, about a mile, Alison reckoned, to this cloud bank, which was quite high. It must have been at least 6,000 feet high, this cloud bank, um, or more. And then it went into it, and I could still wow. see it. It was only a small black dot by then, but it was still visible. So, so I think I must have got its size quite wrong when I first saw it, because it wasn't a little drone. I don't know much about drones. I had a look at images of drones afterwards and I didn't find one that looked quite like this but you know there's all things are possible but I just can't see how it could have been some illicit illegal drone that nobody detected and that hasn't been seen or you know it could because when we've had incidents here with drones near an airport and they've been they've hit the press and they have of course been detected and they've been it's, a, it's an offense to do it the other really interesting thing is how long you saw it, because normally you just see something well, I oh, yes. have once seen something shooting across the sky, but you must That's have seen right. it for some minutes. Yeah. Three to five minutes, I would estimate. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. And I didn't, mm. I didn't, you know, people might say, why don't you take your, your picture? First of all, because I thought for a while it was a drone. Then once I realized it was behaving unlike a drone, uh, in a way a drone couldn't really behave, going thousands of feet up like that, um, I didn't want to take my eyes off it to go into the office to get my phone to take a picture because yeah. there were I'm no sure. other witnesses, you know, and I, I, and interestingly, and I looked at Ezekiel, there were no other witnesses, I'm not comparing it by the way, but there were no other witnesses to his experience and that experience that he had framed his entire mission, um, you know, as a, as a biblical prophet. And, and this is... As you say, written on the list that was on your desk, one of the yes, there was. It was one of the ones. There were a few on there. Obviously, satellite number three, and obviously, you know, big events that have UFOs that have changed the world. You know, which are in which I would include um, the recent Tic Tac. That's changed the world. That's that's brought a big change, yeah. and of course, the first ever flying saucer photographed by George Zamsky and the sighting. That's changed the world. So I had a few on the list. Um, but um, Ezekiel was number 10, I do remember. It's written down. And he saw, I mean, this, the object that he saw based on the biblical description was contained uh, individuals. And I can't, this, this I would say, you know, as I was talking away and as I mentioned, there was one um, drone manufacturer who wouldn't sort of 
give up, give up and say, look, this isn't only one. Uh, this is, can't have been a drone. Um, so he said, look, I don't think it was. I've never heard of anything like that, but you can't rule it out. And then I later thought, well, actually, in a way, it may have been a drone, but an extraterrestrial drone. Uh, because right. I don't think it could be a terrestrial one, because it obviously had signature management, among other things. But um, it, in another of the things highlighted, by the way, in the Pentagon report, is, is not being blown by the wind is a feature of, of, of UAPs, as they now call oh, them, certain really? UAPs. And this, this was on a very steady, consistent course, and it wasn't blown at all, and it had no propulsion units, because I did see it clear enough, I would have seen, when I first saw it, had there been anything driving it uh, but maybe it was an extraterrestrial drone although I think a better term for it possibly would be an unmanned probe that's what it would probably be you know and as I say I'm very wary and if some report comes out oh gosh there was a, a terrestrial drone at that time in that place but the, nothing has come out at all and it's been ruled out as I say by the Civil Aviation Authority and by Heathrow well, that's a pretty thorough research. <laughs> yeah. So, so I yeah. Can you tell us a little more about these um, other spectacular UFO sightings over well, the Well, the other ones I had, I've, I've kind of mentioned a bit. I mean, the Moses Cloud, I think, is interesting because people probably haven't taken on board the fact that the Lord, as he's called in the Bible, um, that came down and delivered the Ten Commandments, traveled in a thick cloud and had stepped out of the cloud to deliver them. And then you might remember, people are familiar with either the film or the Bible, one of the two, uh, that he went into a, a kind of a rage or a fury uh, or disgust where, uh, with his own followers afterwards and, and smashed the tablets of stone. And then he was told to come back up again with two new tablets of stone to have the commandment inscribed upon them. And once again, the Lord travelled to the top of Mount Sinai in a, in a cloud. So that's definitely changed right. world history the star of bethlehem we all know that's changed world history the pup shark of vimana is the basis of the ramayana um, which is believed to be the oldest vedic actually the oldest text on earth many believe that to be um, sanskrit text i mean it's dated variously and it describes an even older period because it was passed down orally for generations before that, many generations. And it describes a battle, um, but it also describes the retrieval. I mean, it, it's built around the, the, the saving of Sita. I mean, Hindus will know this much, much better than I, but by the god Rama or the avatar Rama and Sita being his wife. Um, and he went to, to, to retrieve her and save her in what is now Sri Lanka from an evil demonic force. But also a sideline to this is that that demonic force had stolen from the gods a Vimana or flying celestial vehicle which is beautifully described with tremendous respect. No peppermint or piece of crockery, this. A beautiful description and it was kept down there in Sri Lanka. It was large so it seemed to be able to carry a lot of people like, almost like a satellite or something. And one of the other things that Rama did was to retrieve this vehicle and take it back to the Himalayan regions where he came from. So that there is no doubt that, I mean, that could even have been his main mission, even though it's not purported to be his main mission in, in most teachings. Um, it, it certainly changed world history. So that was on my list. And as I say, satellite number three. But the whole thing got me to thinking, strangely, about the Lord's declaration and the coming of the next master, who we're told by Dr. King will come in a we like to say UFO, um, but an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Yes, very interesting. <laughs> and it got me to thinking about that for various reasons. One is because prior to this report, actually, by, by the Pentagon, a very good member who knows a lot about UFOs, actually, quite an expert in his own right, did write to myself and to Brian, I think to Brian, to a few of us anyway, and said, look, when this report comes out, there's going to be a massive change. People are going to suddenly realize the truth and it's going to be presented to them and we should be prepared for an influx, I don't think that was his word, in the Ethereum society. And I must admit, having 
done this and have spoken, as you said earlier, to millions and millions of people <laughs> over the years and done definitely over a thousand interviews and, and published books and all the rest of it. I, I'm not sort of jaundiced, but I, my expectations are quite low, I have to say, uh, in terms of people making a very, very big change. And that got me to thinking, uh, and, and that hasn't happened yet, um, you know, and, and I'm going to be talking more about you know, what people could do in the light of this on the 29th of July. Um, people are now believing. I mean, the opinion polls show that people believe much more than they disbelieve, uh, both in America and Britain. It's a majority that believes. The minority shouldn't be ridiculed, I feel, even though they used to ridicule us when we were a minority. Uh, but they are a minority. They, and, and I think they're going to end up like the flat earth believers. I mean, it, it's, uh, that's the way it's going for those who don't believe in UFOs, I think. That's my opinion. But it takes a lot to get people to change. And that's what got me thinking about the Lord's Declaration, actually, because and just to remind people, the Lord's Declaration, especially if you're new, was delivered to Dr. King in 1958 in Cornwall by a Lord. It was an audible voice, much like the giver of the Ten Commandments, as a matter of fact. And Dr. King uh, wrote this down. And it's quite short. It's published, among other things, published in various places. One of them is Contacts with the Gods from Space. And I won't read it all, but there's a, only a few points about it, really. Uh, it's quite short, so I'll read a couple of the, the, the main chunk of what we know about this coming. There will shortly come another among you. He will stand tall among men with a shining countenance. This one will be attired in a single garment of the type now known to you. His shoes will be soft top, yet not made of the skin of animals. He will approach the earth leaders. They will ask of him his credentials. He will produce these. His magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies. And they who heed not his word shall be removed from the earth. So I think, Christy, what we have there is a description of what this intelligence, this uh, lord, or this master will look like what he'll be dressed in um, and to that to that dr king has added the fact that he will come in a in a ufo or in a spacecraft and step out of it and then we really have three points uh, about what will happen one is he'll approach the earth leaders they'll ask of him his credentials he will produce these so that's point one now what i'd just like to say is that in my opinion the Earth leaders, since this was given in 1958, to my certain knowledge, have had credentials produced to them. Not by the next master, by the way, but by, even by these UAPs that they're talking about. These, the credentials of these UAPs, the abilities of them, the hyper, I met some of them, the hypervelocities, the invisibility, the so-called signature management, the control over gravity, the ability to go through, um, exceed the speed of light without sonic boom, to overcome atmospheric friction, uh, to travel through different mediums, uh, to have actually according to some reports, telepathic knowledge of where a particular naval jet or, or U.S. jet is, is going to before it gets there. Um, all these things, that the, the phenomenal speeds and, and the liftoff that they can have, the positive lift, as they call it, which defies gravity as they take off. Those things, I think, could be seen, Chrissy, as credentials. Never mind some of the things we know about that came before, which I personally publicized. I mean, just to name one, you and I, Chrissy, were involved in bringing, do you remember, these papers from, uh, from TASS, from the Soviet Union, um, about a landing of a craft in a place called Voronezh, which left indentations in the ground, which was seen by a crowd of witnesses, and where a, an intelligence, an alien intelligence, stepped out of that craft, fired what looked like a gun at a boy in the crowd, I'm just cutting it briefly here, and that boy disappeared. And then he pointed it again and the boy reappeared, showing a superb, superb science, way, I don't know how many centuries ahead of our science, stepped back into the craft, then the craft flew off, and this was released by the Soviet news agency, which means yeah. it must have reached Earth leaders in Russia. So 
my point be being there, yeah, that in terms of the Lord's that. declaration, sorry, I'll, 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 I'll something about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I was on the phone to TAS every day, uh, getting updates. Yeah. and I remember the, one of the, the first time they said that a rock was left behind, and I asked them about the rock, and they said that it was in the bar. They didn't know what it was, and they said it wasn't of this earth. So I called mm-hmm. back the next day, and then they didn't know anything about the rock. Of course. So there was obviously yeah. a cover-up about that. That bit was covered up, but the release in general, without one exception, was stupendous, really. And it was, it was released because Gorbachev was then in power, and he had a thing called glasnost, namely openness. It's one of the most open releases that I've ever experienced in all the years I've campaigned. But my point being is, is that these credentials of extraterrestrials have been given to Earth leaders, not right. just in America, not just in the Soviet Union, I'm sure, and they share intelligence anyway. I think Japan is, I gather, wanting to share work on this with uh, America. I gather China is involved in, in uh, their own UAP uh, program of research. Britain's obviously um, you know, the closest ally, maybe, of America, or one of them. Hence, their denials in the House of Lords were ridiculous because they share intelligence anyway, or they're meant to. Um, so, yes, I, that's step one in the, in the Lord's Declaration. Obviously, not in the way the next master will demonstrate his credentials, but it should be enough, is my point, for the earth leaders already. And then it goes on, his magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies. Well, Dr. King has explained that doesn't mean that he's going to be killing people or fighting armies. He will be able to if he's attacked. Now, one of the roles of the next master would have been the Battle of Armageddon, Operation Carmelite, which came actually some 10 years approximately after this declaration. That battle was fought brilliantly and deliberately in lower realms by the six adepts and won. And so that job isn't there. That particular job isn't there. The alien, we've talked about this before on Ethereus Radio Live, and forgive me, new listeners, please look this up or ask us questions. We're happy to explain all this. But these big battles that could have involved the entire materialistic might of all the armies, they've been fought. Now, we can't know that there won't be another uprising, but we do know that there are certain masters observing events uh, in those realms And I can't see President Biden, for example, particularly, or any other one I could think of, wanting to particularly fire um, missiles or guns. Uh, You never know. It would be a really foolish thing to do at a being obviously of superior um, technology uh, with great powers. So we'll see what happens there. But there isn't, as far as I can tell, anything that's going to trigger as Armageddon would have done, his immediate coming to earth to deal with it. So there we go on, that's the second point, and the third point is this, and they who heed not his words shall be removed from the earth. And Dr. King's explained that doesn't mean they'd immediately die and immediately go from the earth. It means that through the natural transition of death, they will be taken eventually to another planet for their own evolutionary purposes. And we're also told, the master of theorists has made this clear, as well as Dr. King, that it will be very few who will actually stay uh, on Earth, sadly. Which means, of course, that despite these great demonstrations by the next master, people still won't change. Most people still won't change, even after that. Um, so that's a long convoluted explanation, Chrissy, but it does make me see that if they won't change after that, um, they're not likely to change after one preliminary classi- unclassified section report from the Pentagon, I'm sorry to say. I hope a few do. I hope some do. I hope some who come on July the 29th to our online stream event do, if they wish to, uh, you know, and, and, and change in the light of it. But I think everyone on Earth now who knows about this should be knocking on the door of any credible claimant to be a contact with beings from other planets right now, Chrissy. I agree. So are you saying, Richard, that you, you think that the coming of the next master is not imminent 
in any way. It's not, That's not very interesting. That's very interesting because when Dr. King spoke about this, and I believe I'm right in saying the last year that he gave lectures on this was 1971, um, he did say that he didn't think it was going to be centuries uh, away from then. I spoke to him myself about this in the latter years, after which numerous changes had been made to our cosmic missions, which we've talked, discussed at length, just to name three, the Saturn mission, Operation Space Power 2, and Operation Prayer Power. None of those existed in 1971. Operation Sunbeam has been massively extended. The Great White Brotherhood has started Operation Earthlight, and Operation Spare Power space power, the other one, has been enhanced and we have more spirit energy radiators, which wasn't known in 1971 that we could do that because that hadn't been stated by uh, Mars Sector 6. Sorry again if this is all sounding very technical, but what I'm really driving at is that since Dr. King said that, things have changed massively. And I remember having a conversation with him, which I won't hold him to because it was only a, a conversation, to the possibility of the next master not coming for at least 200 years. Now, as far as I know, he didn't say that as a fact, but he certainly didn't contradict it either. Um, it could be even more than that. I think it all depends what we do. Uh, you know, an absolute disaster on Earth. Uh, I think a lot depends on what the Ethereum Society does, really, not because of us as individuals, but because of our direct cooperation with cosmic intelligences. And this is going to help to sustain the Earth. The moment when, before which the next master will absolutely have to come is the moment that the Mother Earth decides to release her energies. They are held in abeyance right now as we've discussed and they are actually in batteries waiting their release they're being steadily uh, helped through op op operation earthlight and the saturn mission to name two but they aren't yet being fully released because the mother earth is so compassionate so one of two things could happen one is that she will be ordered by our even higher power to accept her initiating energies and release them and the other is, which I, I, I don't believe would happen, is that she would actually say, well, you know, I'm, that's it, enough is enough. But there's no feel, indication that she would do that. So again, forgive me for going all around the houses, but it would be that, I would think, unless something really takes off and changes dramatically on this earth, perhaps something for the bad that would bring the next master here, in some ways the later the better because then we come to that third point they who heed not his words shall be removed from the earth if they haven't heard his words then they can't be accused of not heeding his words and so for for most people on earth that is really judgment day in a way that's when the you know the, the chips are whatever the phrase is run out or the, whatever the phrase is um, and the, the people have you know they've run out of time or we've run out of time um, so it could be as far as I know and I don't know I don't know at all um, you know if I could be contradicted by events but it could be a long way off yes uh, I can't see any particular reason why it wouldn't be uh, providing the Mother Earth is still not releasing her energies then the later the better for humanity let's put it that way because that gives more people a chance to change and as we've said before in theorist radio live and the chaff shall become as wheat that's so true and also richard as you know from the previous <laughs> shows on the five temples of god which went into yeah. the next 1000 years the next master as you mentioned, wasn't mentioned. That's fascinating, that isn't it? Yes, that's very, thanks for reminding me. I mean, the Five Temples of God transmission, and there's even a, a note in there about this, in the book, actually. The, Dr. King comments on this. Um, but, yes, the Five Temples of God, which is the directive to the Ethereum Society for the next 1,000 years, doesn't mention the next master at all. It does mention the coming of the Great White Brotherhood. It does mention meeting up with the adepts again. It does mention big changes by other masters. Uh, it, well, those particular ones that I've mentioned. And it mentions many events into the future. But it doesn't mention this coming, which will surely change everything. 
So it's almost as though we've been given the provision, at least, to continue for a thousand years. Now, if that's interrupted, as it were, in inverted commas, by the coming of the next master, obviously everything changes. But there is a provision, at least, for us to continue um, for a long period, up to a thousand years, if we need to. Yeah, as you say, um, Dr. King and the Assyrian Society, through the missions, has manipulated karma on behalf of mankind in a positive way, extending this period. But the big thing is getting people to change, as you say, Richard. I remember we talked about in the when we were doing the UFO campaigns, how if a UFO campaign landed in Hyde Park, and people would often ask that, if they're real, why don't they land in front of us in Hyde Park? Um, and I think you said at the time, well, if, they, if it did, then people would be interested, and it would be covered in the media, but then after a while, they'd just walk past it. On their way to work. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, yes. I mean, and you can see it with the news we're getting now. I certainly don't yeah. want to be negative because there are some people changing and there is a positive. I mean, polls show it. I mean, the, you know, so let's, let's just say one great thing, one positive, is the stigma has gone. It's no longer a source of ridicule, embarrassment. People out there can talk about I mean, I remember the time when a husband couldn't admit to his wife. I went to lectures and a man would stand up and reveal his sighting and, he'd ne and his wife would tell him off. She'd, he'd never even told her because he was too embarrassed at home. Um, you know, that's gone. And, and, and people can. That's the plus. But I'm sorry to say it takes an awful lot to get humanity to change. And even now, this has been in the media. It's been a big news story. It's been on the major news networks, TV, radio and press. And then it gets taken off the front pages by a dispute in the British royal family or the World Cup yeah. or Wimbledon or Kim Kardashian or any other celebrity or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then people move on. They're interested to a degree, but are they interested enough to change their lives? And how is that brought about? And that's, I mean, from that point of view, the longer we've got, the better for humanity to, to reach that point where they really do change. And those who would have been chaff, in other words, they would have been sorted and they would have gone to the new planet uh, because they weren't choosing to change and stay here, not as a punishment, uh, will have a chance to change and become as wheat. Yes. Very well said. So it requires this inner change, doesn't it, really? A spiritual change. A it does. Desire to know the truth, you know. It does. But I think this else. could be, for some people, uh, a trigger for it. So let, I'd like to end on a positive. I mean, you know, the, the, one of the great things about these UAPs, UFOs, call them what you will, is they're peaceful. And they're connected to spirituality. And they always have been. They appear in our spiritual texts. Uh, they, they are highly evolved um, very elevated beings and, and they don't harm even jets that try to fire missiles at them they don't harm that's on, from a CIA document and that might cause people to look to, and, and they, what I think people not really for me to tell people what they should do except that I've done this myself since the age of 18 and you, and you from a similar age I think Chrissy have a look at the contactees, you know, and, and form your, at least investigate them. Don't be put off by, by mediumship or channeling or telepathy just because you don't believe in it. Investigate, find out, and I know believe, listeners to Ethereum Radio Live are open-minded enough to do that, and make, we can all make that change. And the biggest one, of course, as we've been told, is service to others. Great message. And just one, one sentence I read from... Mars Sector 6, where he said, it's obvious that we are friendly. Had we not been, you would not exist. Yeah, let's end on that. That's a very good, brilliant quote, I think. Uh, but we don't want to keep Nikki, uh, our producer, waiting too long. So thanks very much, Chrissy. Um, and over to you, Nikki. Thank you, Richard. Wow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my goodness. Uh, uh, this hour has been just so amazing. I can't believe that we're already at the end. Thank you so very much, Richard and Chrissy, for a truly, truly fascinating show. Gosh, and I cannot stress more strongly, please, please remember... 
put this date in your calendar, July 29th, uh, for join Richard. You're so warmly welcome, and it's a free event for for this at being held at the temple in London, and which is going to be streamed online. UFOs are real, friendly, and alien. Governments know this. And as you've already heard, I mean, Richard has just been, as the Secretary of the European Headquarters in, in, in London for over 40 years, he has been tirelessly campaigning for governments to release and reveal the truth about UFOs, both in the UK and USA. And it's just absolutely so exciting to discover the amazing truth about alien life on this one-off online event with one of the world's foremost authorities on this vitally important subject, really recommend it higher so for more details of timing especially the local times as this is a global event please um, visit Aetherius.org and uh, it will give you all the details of the local times and you can uh, get that there and also please um, uh, the next ARL show or the next show on August the 17th, Richard and Chrissy will be continuing their fascinating study of the initiation of the solar system part two. I can't wait for that one. You can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and also with Chrissy through her website, astrologycity.com. Gosh. I'm coming back down to earth now. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to your company next month.